We want to make queer love stories even more incredible and we need your help to do it. That's right, we've put together a quick online survey and we want to hear from you. Tell us what you love about the show, what topics you want to hear more of and anything you think we might be missing. But that's not all. By taking part, you'll get the chance to be the first to access some exciting new content we have in the works. So what are you waiting for? Click the link in the show notes to fill out the survey and make your voice heard. Together, let's create something truly amazing. Thank you for being part of Queer Love Stories community. You're all incredible and we can't wait to hear what you have to say. Now let's get back to this week's inspiring guest. Welcome to Queer Love Stories, a podcast where we dive into the real stories of love, relationships and empowerment within the LGBTQ plus community. I'm your host, Eden Heath, here to break free from outdated stereotypes and amplify the voices that deserve to be heard. Get ready for a journey that celebrates love in all its forms, including romantic connections that make your heart skip a beat, the unbreakable bonds of friendship, the warmth of a supportive community, and of course, the essential journey of self-love. Matt Jameson has over a decade's worth of experience within the charity sector. He is an intrepid supporter of Prostate Cancer UK and the operations manager and an ambassador for Out Together LGBT, the charity that creates a diverse, vibrant and enduring community working to unite LGBTQ plus generations across Yorkshire. On top of his inspirational work for the community, he also fearlessly put his fate into the hands of TV producers as he married a total stranger on season six of Channel 4's Married at First Sight UK. Welcome, Matt. Hi, Eden. How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. Glad that you're here to join us. Thanks for agreeing to do it. No, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to having a good chat. Yeah, very good. How was your uh, holiday? You just got back from Bruges, haven't you? Yeah, I've just got back from Bruges. Yeah, it's beautiful. Have you ever been? I actually haven't. It's Brussels, isn't it? Yeah, it's in Brussels, wait, but yeah. it's beautiful. I actually think I said beautiful. Belgium earlier, but yeah, Brussels, that's not... Oh, a... no, wait a <laughs> minute. Yeah, it... Brussels is a city. Brussels is a city? Yeah, Bruges is a city. It is Belgium. Oh, it is Belgium. It oh, is Belgium. Right, okay, yeah, perfect. Yeah. Yeah, so. We can, yeah, just, we all, we both know geography. It was definitely <laughs> Belgium. I actually said Belgium to you earlier, didn't I, Benji? And I was like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely Belgium. Brussels, flew to Brussels, but then you have to get like a bus or a train to Bruges. Right, okay. Which that is makes kind sense. of on the coast somewhere. Yeah, I'm not actually so familiar with it. So maybe we'll just move on from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to embarrass myself. I've just there. been there, but it's, it's lovely. It's a lovely oh, place. I also really wanted to ask, is the take that, tribute band still going strong sir the take that tribute band no i've not been involved in that in for for a little while now but it's interesting you should say that because i am considering and having a couple of conversations about coming back and doing some more stuff like that oh my god so you're going to be robbie williams maybe not robbie okay maybe not robbie (laughs) but um yeah there's a few because i've got quite a few friends that are still involved and and it is something i'm interested in getting back in back into so watch this space Oh, I'm really excited for that then. I was kind of like, it made me think about what would I do if I was going to be a tribute act? Who would you be? Um, oh my God, I've really been put on the spot now. I feel like <laughs> if I was going to be in drag, okay, it would be Madonna, of course. Iconic. Yeah, no one does it like her. Um, and then if it was not in drag, I think I would maybe, I'd probably have to be in a One Direction tribute band. I'm not even that big of a fan, but I just feel like I could get away with not singing or dancing so much. Yeah, and just, I wouldn't even know what all their songs are. 
No, I mean, yeah, you could probably just <laughs> say the same words over and over yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, just sing the same thing over and over again. <laughs> oh, that would be quite interesting. I was re- I saw um, an article actually about Harry Styles the other day because they've just changed his waxwork, haven't they? Oh, I two swords, yeah, because they he was the, like the One Direction group. Yeah, but now he's got his own, and it's he's he's all grown up. Oh my god! In all his glam, which looks really cool. Yeah, so changing with the times, which mm. is what we like. Definitely, definitely. Well, well done, Madam Two Swords, for you know moving along with everything. Yeah, changing his hair as well. Um, but yeah, we'll get we'll get into it anyway. Ask some questions, have a bit of a conversation about all things love and relationships. Mm-hmm. I will try and bear my soul as much as I can. Well, you know what? And I'll try and do the same as well. It's good to have that. Um, you know, make you feel comfortable mm-hmm. with my misery and pain too. <laughs> <laughs> is that the theme throughout this? No, misery, it's misery, actually, pain. It's actually supposed to be really positive getting and uplifting. Over it, getting over it. <laughs> but you know, there's always that bit of struggle. But yeah, of course, of course, in any relationship, whether it, even if it's a positive thing and you're in a relationship and it's going really well, there's always there's always those little things that that you want to get off your chest. I yeah, think. exactly. Definitely, just really feeling that. Um, emotion mm. whatever it might be but i know one thing i did really want to speak to you about because it's very very interesting is the fact if you're working in the charity sector mm-hmm. and you've worked in there since quitting the corporate world in 2012 yeah um since your dad was diagnosed with prostate cancer mm-hmm. how has that huge life event impacted maybe how you see the world it's had such a massive impact on me it really did at the time as well because i think it completely came out of the blue that my dad was diagnosed and i worked in the corporate world worked in sales and marketing, kind of enjoyed it. But I guess, as many people do, you kind of work to live. Yeah. And actually, it completely changed my mindset. And it was actually about wanting to work in an environment where I was making a difference and giving something back. And we had support from a number of charities during that time. um, And I decided to quit my job. And then I went and worked at Macmillan Cancer Support. And started building a career there. Just went on the phone, speaking to people that were either going through cancer themselves or supporting people that were going through cancer and wanting to fundraise. And that's where my kind of inspiration came then. And I wanted to work in the fundraising environment and worked my way up, became fundraising manager, area manager, then left Macmillan, went to a breast cancer charity as well. And it was just so empowering for me to be part of a change and something that was giving back to the community and I've never looked back, really. I absolutely love my job. And I love the whole working with people that have been going through trauma and being able to support them and helping them give back to the community that they've been part of. Especially when you've experienced the other end of that as well, mm-hmm. of receiving that support. And yeah. then, yeah, I kind of say it's uh, that giving back and getting back to actually, I've received something, so I'm going to try and help other people as well. Exactly. Feel that positivity yeah it's about it's about the positivity it's about the positivity and support and being part of i guess something bigger and giving back and when you you see that well there's so many people one in two people will get diagnosed with cancer at some point in their lifetime and all those people need support the nhs supports to a level but all these incredible charities that that give back and support people when they need it the most when they're at the lowest point enabling them to move forward and and get through their diagnosis, treatment, whatever they're going through, family and friends as well. It's so important. Absolutely. And then your kind of career took a bit of a shift going from the cancer charities and then now you're working with, an L- well, you work for an LGBTQ charity, which yeah. is out together. Do you want to just kind of give us a bit of uh, info or what they, what crucial support they offer? 
Yeah, so Out Together is an organisation based here in Leeds, but we cover West Yorkshire, Yorkshire, um, and it's supporting the older LGBTQ plus community battling social isolation and loneliness. And it's so important that this exists because there are so many of our older generations within the community that maybe don't have a network of friends, don't have any family, and it's creating kind of a safe space with activities and events where they can all come together and feel part of the community again to keep well, have fun and stay connected. Yeah, I think it's loneliness is something we don't really talk about within our community that mm. much, I don't think, when actually it's something that impacts us so much. I it does, it do does. do have a statistic. Oh, okay, um, okay. A bit of a fact from the uh, National Health and Wellbeing Charity LGBT Hero stated in their report in 2020 that almost one in 14 Brits say they're lonely, but actually for LGBTQ, it's more likely to be 21% of queer people. That's, one in, that's over that. one in five. That's yeah. incredible. Which is really like shocking, but actually makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. to me uh, that we do experience that. So what do you kind of see within your role of why people are experiencing that loneliness within our community? There are lots of examples, I think, of, of why older LGBTQ plus people do have and suffer loneliness and isolation is is because of kind of the community and the way that they they were brought up yeah and being part of a community years ago where there's still a lot of was a lot of fear and people didn't come out and their life kind of revolved around their really close community of friends or their partner one of the examples is that we have a lot of within out together is They've been with their partner for maybe 40, 50 years and that partner dies, but Mm. their life has been that relationship and they don't have any, possibly no family, um, maybe a small group of friends who may have already passed away as well. And it's about bringing those people together so that they can create new friendships with peers and like-minded people that have gone through the same experiences and hearing all their stories about everything that they went through whether they came out whether they didn't come out we've got one of our members is 90 in his 90s now and and he lived with his partner they were married but they went out wow yeah for all that time and so then now he's come out into the community and he's an integral part of out together as a volunteer as well and it just it's so inspiring to see that but it's also very shocking to know that there are still older generations out there that are still scared to be themselves and not integrate themselves within the community one of the things just going back to what we were saying about older people i i don't know about you but i always remember when i was kind of growing up in my 20s thinking Old and gay doesn't really go in the same sentence. Yes. You don't gay really, men don't get old. Gay men don't get old. No. We're going to be fabulous and out clubbing and just having fun for all our lives. And so it never it never really kind of connected. And I always used to say to my friends, oh, I'll never get old. Gay and old doesn't go in the same sentence. And I always remember saying it. So now to be part of an organisation that is supporting the older community and creating that environment for people to be themselves and have fun and be part of it, is so important and I'm so passionate about it. Absolutely. I think going back to what you've just said there as well, um, one thing that I've always took with me through life, and I did learn it relatively young in my early 20s, is that the party always ends and I don't want to be there to pick up the beer bottles, so yeah. I'm going to leave before, I know, it <laughs> before always the end. Com- yeah, it always, comes, it always comes to an end. So did you, when you were growing up, who did you kind of have as a role model then as a kind of older 
gay man or queer person to look up to? Do you know that's a really interesting question? And thinking about it, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure because when I was, when I came out quite young, I was fifteen. I was at school. It was a big thing. It never happened in the school that I was yeah. at before. Spread like wildfire. Was in a drama of class. Course. Yeah, everybody knew about it <laughs> within minutes of it happening, and I was. Where was I gaining inspiration from? It was. It wasn't anybody kind of public, like a, mm. a, a public figure or anybody. It was very much people that I'd started to meet. So other gay guys that were maybe a little bit older than me, part of a youth group that I got involved with, with an organisation in Leeds here called Mesmac, and they were kind of the inspiration for me to actually recognise. I'm that, I'm gay, I'm part of this community. And seeing them being themselves really inspired me to be myself. It was all around the time as well, um, you probably won't remember, but EastEnders. Yes. Which I watched, I wasn't, actually it's funny because my mum didn't really like me watching it, she thought it was too adult. And so depressing. I know, so depressing, (laughs) it's so depressing. But it was the time when Tiffany was in it, Martine McCutcheon, she was still in it. And her brother Simon came into it and she was with, the guy, a guy, and I can't remember his name now, but then her brother was a gay character. Her boyfriend started having an affair with her brother, and it was like the first gay kiss that had been on telly, and it was all very much going on. And then to see that on the TV really kind of resonated so much, you know, when you get that fire kind of inside you, and you're like, oh my God, it, it, I was excited. Yeah. Because I was relating to that and thinking, that is, that is who I am. But it can also then have that negative impact that actually you're seeing yourself in those people, but they're experiencing shame and negativity from those around them within the show Yeah, as well. And I, I think my kind of equivalent to that is, I remember watching Hollyoaks. Okay. And it's when um, John Paul McQueen um, and yep, Craig... I, yeah, I remember. I used to watch yeah, it back then. We're having an affair and like I remember seeing it like they were having all of these, you know, like this secret romance. Yeah. And when it came out, the drama and the negativity from the girlfriends, the effect that it had on the families mm. was so extreme. And you're like, oh, God, well, I definitely can't come out yeah. <laughs> because that is not what I want to live in my life. No, no. That must have been so difficult for you as a gay man as well to, to see that and feel quite oppressed, maybe, a little bit by it. Absolutely. And seeing all that negativity. From my perspective, I, I don't know... I don't know what it was about me and how I am as a person, but I never felt that. It was as if it was kind of inside me. Reassuring almost. Yeah, Yeah. and I just couldn't, I couldn't keep it in. I couldn't keep it in. For years, I probably repressed it a little bit in my early teens. Yeah. And thinking, oh, I'm going to get married and I'm going to have kids and I'm going to pretend. Because it seems like an easy life. Oh, yeah, it seems like an easy life. You conform into what Mm -hmm. what normal is, whatever normal is. Um, But then to see that and see these different representations, but then that kind of light a fire inside of me to think, actually, I want to be who I am and I can't repress it. Yeah. It just wasn't, it just wasn't going to happen. It just had to come out, whatever the consequences were. And there were consequences. Of course. I lost friends at school. I gained more friends as well. Um, I had a difficult relationship with my parents at the time because I was pushing them away they didn't understand. They wanted to support me and love me as their son. But it was difficult for them as well because they didn't know any gay people. They'd not experienced this before. So it was it was a difficult time. 
but we all worked together and worked through it together. It's actually quite reassuring to hear the opposite side of that story because I have, you know, that was my experience growing up. I've seen that on telly and thinking, oh God, this is not a viable option. Mm. Whereas you're kind of saying, actually, even though it was EastEnders and it was, I can imagine how negative and depressing it was. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> because definitely. It is. But you saw that kind of light for it. You actually just took the positives out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, reassuring that actually the other people like me, it is possible um, and there's going to be consequences, but I'm okay to deal with them. Yeah. Which is really nice. And I think the thing with, with the representation at that time on TV is it, it didn't, it didn't show gay relationships in a positive way. It was all yeah. secretive and behind the scenes and, and secrets and lies. Yes. Yeah. But then it never kind of highlighted the love side of it. Yeah. It was all very sexualized. And I think that's how, a lot of the world and my parents and and other people kind of saw gay relationships, especially between two men that were just all driven by sex. It needs to be more about, it's about loving someone. It doesn't matter whether you're gay, bisexuals, transgender, heterosexual. It's about love and it's about building a relationship with somebody. And obviously the sex is there as well because you've got that sexual (laughs) you've got that sexual attraction to somebody but it's about more than that it's not about just going out and sleeping about although it is for a lot of gay men but it's about finding the person that you want to spend your life with yeah like we're here to talk about yeah there's queer love stories and it's about love and i'm a hopeless romantic and i have had a number of relationships which have been great they've not worked out because i'm single now but I've learned so much about myself from those relationships and it's been so important to feel that love and experience that. I think that is one of the most amazing things in the world to have experienced love with another person. Absolutely. And I mean, I'm definitely a hopeless romantic as well and wanting to kind of, yeah, see the beauty in those relationships. And like I say, even failed relationships have those positive impacts on your life and everything. Mm -hmm. But why do you feel that potentially... As a community, we might find it more difficult to have those longer lasting, more meaningful connections. So you, I'm going to get on my soapbox now. About, <laughs> Go for it. Well, I'm not a fan of apps okay, at yeah. all. And obviously there's the main one that most people use now. Yeah. I don't know if we can say it or not. You can say it, yeah. Grinder. Yeah, it's not a dirty it, word. <laughs> well, it is to me. Well, yeah. It's like a swear word. <laughs> if, and do you know what? It affects, oh, this is going to make me sound so bad, but it affects when I meet somebody yeah. and having, having a conversation with them and they divulge that they're on Grinder and use Grinder. Mm. Dare I say I'm a little bit judgmental of that because I don't kind of agree with the whole premise of it. And I think it's really damaging yeah. to the community because it really creates sex as transactional yeah. rather than it being about meeting somebody and dating and building a relationship. I'm kind of old school like that. I remember the days when you'd go into Queen's Court in Leeds or to the bridge and you'd be on a night out and you'd have a few beers or whatever and then you'd lock eyes with somebody across the room and then you'd go over and have a chat and then you'd maybe have a bit of a bit of a flirt, swap numbers, maybe have a bit of a bit of a snog at the end of the night and then you start building a relationship and maybe meet them again, go out for dinner. Whereas I think the apps have completely taken that away. Well, I was just about to say, I was actually in Queen's Court for four hours on Saturday and it was full of straight men and their girlfriends. <laughs> what in Queen's yeah, Court? It was. I was. I expected that from Viaduct. Yeah. 
So I was like, oh, let's go to Queen's Court. And I was like, what the hell? Because, um, you know, we were dancing. We're having a great time to Madonna, Kylie, all the greats. Mm-hmm. And I was just in shock of all the straight people in there, which is fine, you know, frequent where you like. But it is actually making it more increasingly difficult, like you say, to meet people in yeah. public um, and actually have those connections. Um, I think with with Grinder, especially, like I said, there is that element to it that is transactional sex, mm-hmm. um, which is, I kind of do hate that uh, disposability mm. of it all with people. I don't think it really benefits people's self-esteem, self-confidence, self-worth a lot of the time. Oh, it's so superficial and so just empty yeah there's just there's just no no kind of emotion or hope for a relationship and i know a lot of people probably disagree with me because i know people do meet on there and do go out for dates and not everybody uses it transactionally but i think the existence of it just kind of has a lot of negativity for me yeah and i think kind of in its defense if maybe you're in a different i can get that if maybe you're in a different country different city and wanting to kind of meet people in a sense of i don't know anyone here yeah finding people to go to drinks with maybe that can be possible i know people that we've spoken to on the podcast do use it as more of a community okay um so i do get that i kind of get both sides but i'm kind of on your like fence with that i hate I the apps hate the apps i hate <laughs> swiping i hate people asking me how my weekend was i don't care because i don't know you and i'd rather have those in-person connections i think i'm better in person yeah yeah I, I agree i agree i think it's i think being in person is and it's how you make that connection as well with somebody i know that we went through lockdown as well with the whole pandemic and everything and that really pushed everybody to be more online and meet people in that way because everybody was sat at home bored probably drunk as most people were. yes because i know i was um and it's really hard to then move it back into a social space and it's interesting you say about queen's court being full of full of straight couples it didn't used to be like that when i was like yeah. 18 19 because straight people didn't go to the gay bars yeah. but it's become so much more of a attractive community yeah. because we know how to have fun. We do. We actually and do. And everybody wants to be part of that. You mentioned the viaduct with the, the showgirls and, and all the drag shows. Everybody loves it. Yeah, and so it fantastic. Has, it's it, amazing artistry. And... Exactly, exactly. And it, and it brings everybody together, which is important as well. I won't take that yeah. away from it. It is important. But then the kind of old school meeting somebody out, it's kind of dying a death. Yeah. It is dying a death. You know, you actually did go completely left field in an attempt to find love as well. For those people that are listening that have never watched or heard of Married at First Sight UK, what the hell are you doing? Firstly, because it is incredible TV. I actually love it. (laughs) (laughs) Did you watch it? Have you seen it? I did. Do you know what? That was actually the first season I watched of Married at First Sight. Okay. Um, And I actually watched it. I didn't watch it in real time. I remember seeing in the the newspapers about... um, the first gay couple mm-hmm. in Married at First Sight history, although it's technically not true because there was one on the Australian version which didn't end yeah. well. I think they're trying to avoid Yeah, that. yeah, they're avoiding that. It was <laughs> yeah. in the UK. It was the yeah, first time they'd UK done it in one. the UK version. Yeah. yeah, so I remember reading about it and I was like, oh my God, this is really incredible. I should definitely watch this. And I was speaking to my boyfriend at the time, I was like, we should watch this. And we watched it a few months later and mm. we were hooked. Um, and because it was on 4OD, we were literally like, yeah, watching watch three, watch episodes, three a night. episodes a night. Yeah, so it, what did you think? What was your impression? Of impression of of kind of the whole the whole premise of it, I guess, but also the representation 
of the LGBTQ plus community with myself and Daniel. Well, that's that's definitely something that was really, really heartwarming to actually see this relationship being put together. And what I really did like as well, that you weren't just put together because you were both gay. Mm. You were put together because you had similar values and that's what they were trying to get at. And actually, it wasn't really necessarily someone you would have gone for. No, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. And it is a massive process as well. So the behind the scenes, when you apply, you have to send like a video of why you want to do it and why you want why you want to be kind of put forward for it. And then once you get through all the stages, you have meetings with psychologists, you do a lot of psychometric tests and personality tests. So they are trying to match you with somebody that has the same values and has the same kind of outlook on life. But sometimes they might think, oh, some of those paperwork have just gone missing just yeah, to cause a I little bit of drama. It's, at the end of the day, you've got to remember it's a TV show. Yeah. So they are, are always going to be looking for that bit of drama and that bit of spice in there as well yeah. to, to stir things up. To get people and even, talking. Well, yeah, to get people talking. And even though on paper, I guess me and Daniel were quite well matched, they had to throw a few spanners in. And obviously yeah, there was the distance yeah. and the age gap as well. Yeah. Which... I wasn't expecting mm, at all. It's interesting, yeah. It was it was a little bit of a shock to me. I don't know why I had it in my head that it was going to be somebody. I tried not to think about it because I wanted to have like an open perspective. When I turn around at the altar and think, who is this person? I tried not to think about it too much. But I did not think it would be somebody younger. I thought mm. they'd be a similar age or even older. But then in hindsight... Of course I was going to be the older one because I was 39 and the demographic... Which is not old, can we just not, say? Yeah, it's not old. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought it wouldn't now, so I'm knocking on now. But I guess, of course I was going to be the older one mm. because the demographic of the people in the show was quite young. And I always and I always remember the stag do as well when I first met all the other, yeah. all the other stags walking into that room. And it was just so overwhelming. But also I was like, oh my God. I'm like walking into Love Island. There's all yeah. these young, buff lads. And I was like, what am I doing here? And also you're going to have to like come out as well oh, in that moment. Oh God, that was awful. It was one of the, that from the whole experience, that was the worst part for me. Yeah. Because I was kind of prepped before to go in and told not to say anything about being gay. No, none of them knew. And I had to just get on with the conversation until I get a nod from one of the producers to say, right, you can say it now. And I always remember I was so... Well, it was like coming out again. Yeah, of course. It was such an intense experience. And then I've got the producer woman. I remember she's like nodding, nodding (laughs) insistently at me. And I was just frozen. I was like, I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it. But then I had to get it into the conversation. And it was awful. To put me, when I think about it, to put me in that position wasn't really yeah. very kind at all. Because we do have to do that every day, whether it's a new mm. job, whatever situation you're in. I mean, I had to do it this morning with um, some people that I've met at a place where I teach yoga. Okay. They actually are also in the same office as me. Right. So they'd see me there and they would start asking, them, oh, are you coming to the spin class this afternoon? And I was like, oh, no, because actually I'm recording a podcast. And then they were like, oh, what's it about? And I was like, well, actually, it's about LGBTQ love stories. <laughs> so, yeah. and they're like oh right we're not expecting you to say that and I was like yeah because you've already just asked me if, if I was a footballer so. <laughs> <laughs> we do in everyday life we have to do it all the time it doesn't bother me that much now because it's just it's just normal conversation I think with me and I, and I think most people well I don't know if people know that I'm gay when they start talking to me but it's it's 
who I am is yeah. part of who I am and it's irrelevant now to yeah. me. It really is irrelevant. But to be put in that intense situation where you've got to come out to a, yeah. a load of complete strangers are all like a bit laddish in front of like 16 cameras and 40 yeah. crew. Especially if you're not used to that as well. Yeah, it was pretty It was pretty intense. In- intimidating pretty intense. as well. Intimidating. Yes. That is the word. Yeah, that absolutely. is the word. And for that to be the first experience on the show... Before you even get to the wedding. Well, it can only get better. Well, I was hurt. Well, hopefully so. Hopefully so. <laughs> oh, dear. So before you did go on Married at First Sight, what did your kind of dating history look like in the run-up to that? So my dating history, so I've, I mentioned before, I've had quite a few long-term relationships. And like everybody, I think you don't really know yourself when you're younger. I had I had a six year relationship with with a great guy and we were together from kind of my mid to late twenties into early thirties and I learned so much about myself during that time and it was it was a shame that we didn't work out but we just grew apart mm. as people I kind of changed my career and changed my perception of life yeah. with my dad's diagnosis and when I turned thirty um, and he was a little bit younger than me a few years younger than me and he was kind of on the same path himself not progressing if that Mm -hmm. makes sense so I was growing and he wasn't so we kind of really grew apart so that relationship that relationship ended and then after that I had a few kind of shorter relationships one or two years where I was still trying to find someone that complimented me and who I was as a person and who I could build a life with that's my kind of goal and my perspective on it I want to meet somebody that has the same values, the same goals in life, wanting to be a dad, wanting to be really ambitious, having a focus of their career and being really strong as a person and really confident in themselves. And I found it really difficult to find that. I don't know if my expectations are too high. I give a lot into a relationship and I expect you that back. Him. Well, I think that's a, that is it a lot of the time definitely expectations are not too high i feel the same a lot of the time that am i asking too much of somebody Mm -hmm. but actually sometimes it's people are giving the love they want to receive back and if that's not being reciprocated by someone it's because that's not the type of love that they want so they're giving you something else yeah and then you're like actually it's not matching up so it's about finding that person that has that same kind of love language and style of what they want from a relationship which is difficult Mm -hmm. it's not easy is it really it's Um, not because otherwise we'd both be in relationships exactly (laughs) exactly exactly but hopefully hopefully there's there's somebody out there yeah but my last relationship before the show i guess was was kind of a big motivation to do Mm. it because i i'd i'd been with this guy um for about a year there'd been warning signs red flags were coming up what kind of red flags There'd been a few, a few untruths okay. that were said, and yeah. I'd kind of caught caught him out on some things. But it wasn't he wasn't cheating, as far as I knew, but just some lies about where he was and what he was doing mm. and stuff. Which it just, just throws your mind into overdrive. Which well, does me anyway. I'm exactly. Like, why why exactly. are you lying about something like that if it's so simple? Exactly. What else can you lie about? Exactly. Yeah. And I was putting so much into it, and I was really supportive. And it just kind of it just kind of came to a point where we decided to split up, and we stayed friendly. But then something happened. I'm not gonna. I won't go into detail. But something happened that then just made me feel like everything that I'd done and supported was just thrown back in my face. Mm. And so that really, really hurt me. 
And I was pretty devastated. And I remember being so upset about the whole situation because I had fallen for him, but yeah. I kind of knew it wasn't right and I mm-hmm. couldn't continue with the relationship. So I was really, really devastated about it and distraught. And I remember thinking to myself, I just need some space now. I need to just be on my own and feel the pain yeah. of the relationship breaking down, but then also allow myself to work through that as well. Not bury it away, not yeah. go out on the pull, but actually just have that space to myself. And I think that's really important. And we did kind of touch on it before um, before we started recording anyway about that. I know for me, in my breakup, I kind of get stuck into that. I'm listening to my breakup playlist on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I forget Spotify is public. And people do follow me on there for my um, fitness playlists. Right, <laughs> so okay. Sometimes they come up and I'm like, oh God, but I need to be like, actually snap out of it. You've had, you've had eight months listening to your playlists. Mm. Now put the happy songs back on. Um, is that something you kind of resonate with as well? Yeah. Feeling I, your emotions? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Because I think you've got to allow yourself to feel those emotions and have the happy songs. But I think it's also nice to remind yourself of the sadness. Yeah. But, in, but then take the positive from it. I'm a massive Shania Twain fan. Oh, okay. Huge Shania Twain fan. Going to see her in Leeds later this, later this year, which I'm really excited Love about. Love that. And one of, the things that, one of the things that I've had to not train myself, but kind of get over a little bit, yeah. is one of my favourite ever songs is From This Moment, which is one of Shania's songs. And me and Daniel had that in common. We liked Shania Twain. And that song was played at our wedding. Oh, yeah. And it's on the show. Yeah. It's over over on the soundtrack yeah. of the wedding. And it was being played. It was our first dance. And I don't want to let go of that song. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be like, right, I can never listen to that song again because it reminds me of that whole situation. But that whole situation doesn't have negative connotations with me anyway because the whole process and meeting Daniel and the wedding I mean it was a fantastic wedding it looked it It I was was, so jealous it was incredible I need to get myself on there (laughs) (laughs) just for the wedding yeah just for the wedding (laughs) so it was an incredible day and experience and I can take that from that and I still listen to that song it's weird because it depends what kind of mood I'm in yeah it depends how I'm feeling that day. And how it'll hit. And how it'll hit, yeah. Because yeah. I have I have different playlists, and it's kind of in all of them. When it comes on, it sporadically pops up. Sometimes I have to turn it off. Yeah. But then sometimes I just think, do you know what? No, I'm just going to listen to it. But it does bring a tear to my eye, because I remember the amazing experience I've had and the relationship that I've now lost. Yeah. So the song does give me hope for the future as well, because even though there's a sadness to it, I I feel the lyrics and the melody and the whole thing just... Gives, makes me feel warm inside and I want to take that and project that into the future as well and as I said before I'm a hopeless romantic manifest I, that next true love yeah, yeah exactly there will be somebody out there maybe I won't share that song as kind of yeah. our song because obviously it's part of that history yeah but it does give me a lot of hope for the future I love that. And you mentioned about, you know, raising children was really important to you. And we saw that in the show as well. Is that something that you see in your future still? Is that something you're really wanting to work towards? 
Yes, a hundred percent, hundred percent. I was during my thirties. I was kind of umming and ahhing a little bit about it, but then there became a definitive point where I, I was like, I do want to be a dad. I think it was when my my nephew and niece were born. Yeah, my brother's got two kids. Honestly, that sent me the other way. Did it? <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes when I spend too much time <laughs> yeah. with them because they are they are rowdy kids, but it really affirmed with me that actually that is what I want. I want to be a dad. I want to raise a family. And I would prefer to do that with, with someone, someone. Yeah, yeah, and have that have that unit. And that's part of the reason that I went on the show. Part of the reason that I looked back on my dating history and was like, right, I'm picking the wrong men. Yeah. And there's a, a pattern here that I'm giving so much into these relationships and not getting the same back. So there's a certain type of guy that either I'm attracting or I'm attracted mm-hmm. to. So that's why I thought Married at First Sight. We were all watching the Australian one during yeah. lockdown. It became like a cult thing. And it kept popping up at the bottom saying, apply, apply for the UK one. So I just thought, yeah, I'll do it. I'll give the onus over to the experts for them to find me someone that will be my perfect match. Yeah, I mean, I do love those experts as well. Paul C. Brunson is one of my heroes. I might even say it. Um, He's a legend. He is good. He's a good guy as well. And I keep in touch. We've spoken quite a bit since the show. And that's the thing. You can really tell that he actually, all of them as well anyway, but they really care about the people on the show and even mm. that aftercare and that's what's so strong i think you know they're gutted when it doesn't work out because they really want it to and they can kind of see things um a lot of the time that they're like you know work at it you've got stuff you need to overcome and yeah. there's well it's there it's there down. it's their kind of their reputations are on the line as well because they're the experts and they're putting putting these people forward together how much they're actually involved yeah. in the selection process is questionable yes i agree but then they are there to support those relationships yeah. through the pick process. up the pieces after yeah <laughs> pick up the pieces <laughs> after. Been thrown together give the advice and put them to put them together so before kind of going on tv and bearing your soul you know and any potential flaws you thought you may have to the british public did you have any anxieties worries before the show aired maybe what had been recorded or anything like that yeah i think i think with anything like that you because you're f- filming for like three months yeah they're filming everything and you're in the back of your mind, you're thinking, how am I going to come across? I'd never been on, on a TV yeah. show before, so how am I going to come across? What are the public going to think? Is it going to be a great representation of the LGBTQ plus community? But I think in the back of my mind, I also had, um, I don't think it was misguided because I think it, I think it was there that Channel 4, us being the first representation of the LGBTQ plus community on the UK version of the show that they had a little bit of a responsibility. Absolutely. And yeah. they wanted to showcase a real relationship, not drama, not conflict, but just two gay guys that wanted to find love that would come together and hopefully hit it off, which and, is what we did. And that's what I think with um, season six, they struck the balance so well with those actual romantic connections that mm-hmm. they built with a, a bit of drama and a few couples that were probably a bit questionable being put together. I <laughs> uh, won't mention names, but then... The <laughs> oh, season... you can mention names. No. <laughs> I'm, happy, I'm happy to go down that road. The season... What gossip do you want to know? <laughs> no, we'll leave the gossip for after. Um, the season after, you know, maybe that was a bit more controversial, I think, personally uh, watching it. Controversial or car crash. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, not great no. <laughs> with those connections, that's for sure. And it, it did was a bit of a letdown because off the back of such a high series where, especially, you know, for me really, it was the LGBTQ aspect of it. Mm. That positivity that you were put together, you had this connection 
and you were making it work and just learning more about yourself and just being open to the fact that we've been put together let's kind of go down this and just go with it mm-hmm. and it was really refreshing but we don't really see that in our community that often mm. like it is that kind of um, transactional a lot of the time and not having as much respect through each other yeah so that's why it's just really refreshing and yeah not so much it was disappointing it was i was really disappointed because i felt that daniel and i had made such a positive impact within Absolutely. the wider community of, of everybody really to showcase we are just two normal guys and we're just finding our way through this experiment together and then the next series the representation was so dare I say stereotypical mm-hmm. in a way yeah. that it just kind of shattered that and went back to that stereotype where it was there to get viewers yeah to see that drama to see the screaming queen to see the conflict and that was disappointing it was yeah. really disappointing to see having been part of something that felt so much had so much positive impact yeah absolutely and did you feel kind of any pressure or how did you feel about representing our community on such a widespread platform massive pressure felt that pressure but again also felt that the channel and the show had a responsibility mm-hmm. as well and I'd kind of put my onus onto them and put my faith in the whole experiment but yeah it was it was daunting in that that respect as well because I wanted to represent the community in such a positive way but I did that by just being myself there was no kind of acting up yeah no pretense no pretending to be somebody that i'm not i made a conscious decision right at the beginning that whatever happened i would just be myself because i'm quite proud of who i am yeah and all all that i've achieved and being a really advocate of the lgbtq plus community i just wanted to be myself and i think that came across there was an authenticity is that the right word authentic kind of representation and from both of us as well and that's the thing i think something i've learned through my life as well is going through maybe trying to be somebody else or not disclosing parts of myself to fit into somebody's narrative of what they expect Mm. but actually now i'd if someone's going to hate me i'd rather be hated than being myself yeah at the end of the day well at least i was me exactly (laughs) exactly because if you pretend to be somebody that you're not and then people don't like that or you and I think I think the general public as well and friends, family, they can see through that. And if I've got all my friends and all the people that support me in Leeds watching it and then I present this different person yeah. on a TV show, be shocked. they're going to be completely shocked. But one thing I will say, which is quite funny, everybody, all my friends, know what I'm like. Yeah. And they've all said this to me. I know you watched the show. So the last dinner party where I had a couple of red wines. Yeah, got, <laughs> I actually remember this because I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'd had a little bit to drink, but I was kind of being truthful. Yeah. And kind of calling people out. And all my friends, everybody said to me, everybody was messaging me the next day and they were like, there he is. That's the Matt that we all know. So for context, if people haven't watched the show yet, in the final dinner party, there's an honesty box with questions where couples are pushed to give their opinions on theirs and others' relationships. That's so funny you mentioned that because when I was watching that in in the time I did, I kind of thought, oh, this looks like this might cause a bit of a problem between those two in the next episode. But mm-hmm. it didn't really seem to. It seemed to just, whether it was resolved you know, off screen or 
wasn't really so much of an issue, but I could see a, maybe a little bit of uncomfortableness. I think Daniel. there were. I think there was a little bit of uncomfortableness, yeah. but me and Daniel were so tight, yeah, and we kind of knew each other, and he kind of he kind of knew that it was coming, yeah. I think it's his facial expressions, and when yes. I watched it back, he's like, "Oh god, here we go. <laughs> yeah. he knew he knew it was coming." Because I was so frustrated with what was going on, of course, on. yeah. And I'm really close with Luke still, and his relationship with Morag, and what all how that was all unfolding. It was just it was just so frustrating to be sat there listening to people's lies, yeah. But then also knowing how damaging it was to some of the people that I'd connected with and cared about in the show. And that's the thing that it's real people. I think a lot of the time when you're a viewer as well, people just kind of forget that, mm. especially when you kind of compare it to this is reality TV. This is real people's lives. Exactly, it's in real. a position with the real emotions and feelings. Exactly, and that is forgotten a lot of the time. I think, which is difficult. I mean, I don't admit this often but I did admit it to you earlier, so I will now. But I have actually been on reality TV. Um, Do tell more. Um, I actually was the villain <laughs> in a series. So, villain, what do you mean? Exp- explain. Um, so I went on a show called Five Guys a Week. See, I've not heard of this. So you're going to have to give me a little bit of a promise because I don't know Essentially, five guys move in to a girl's house. Yes, it was a girl. Very confusing time. <laughs> 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 I thought we just said five guys in a house. I thought, is this some gay show that I've not even no, heard of no. before? Um, and basically, yeah, I had to move into her house with these other guys. She must um, have had a big house. Yeah, well, <laughs> I actually wasn't supposed to go in. Right. Somebody else got put in because she got to pick. Right. She didn't pick me from my profile. Okay. Um, and they were like, no, no, we think you're really great. You know, things happen all the time. So just keep that date free. And then they basically rang me like an hour later being like, yeah, so you know, Ready to come on the show? It's <laughs> like, wow. oh, I guess I'm just here for my opinions, so I might as well give them. <laughs> yeah. You know why you've been chosen. Yeah. So, um, I mean, actually, then it ended up, that wasn't really the case. Um, and then, obviously, after, got a lot of negative backlash on the Twitter sphere and everything. Oh, really? Yeah, really? but I didn't mind, because, again, I was like, you know what? I was a version of myself that was maybe a bit bit over the top over the top yeah but um i just thought you know what fuck it (laughs) (laughs) sometimes you've got to think that you just gotta go do you know what i've just got to do what i've got to do absolutely i think from that as well going on to the show uh you know i went through a breakup a very similar time to you it was kind of like last september october december into this year as well a little bit yeah it kind of drags on a little bit oh god it it does Yeah. yeah i felt a really immense pressure at that time about letting my family know because mm-hmm. it was my first relationship I'd okay. never been in a relationship before I actually still loved him and wanted to be with him but was really unsure what was happening if you don't mind me asking you know, what was the reasons of the of the break breakup then it was more so just a, a probably right person not the right time okay. we had this very very intense connection that we you know we were a lockdown couple mm-hmm. so we met in 2020 over instagram Right. Um, yeah, so we were chatting over Instagram and on date two, I moved in with my suitcase. Then he moved into mine right. um, a few weeks later and then we got a flat together within like four weeks. So, Are you a lesbian? <laughs> no, right? I always say that it's literally like a lesbian Sorry, I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't no. have said that. <laughs> Sorry, it's, lesbians. It's, it's, the, it's the running joke, it's fine, but I also did it. Um, so yeah, that's what happened and then we, you know, we 
kind of like inseparable and you could start implementing all like coming out of lockdown mm. real life jobs friends well it sounds family. like married at first sight it sounds exactly you've gone through exactly the same yeah. experience just thrown just in without the, the cameras end. thank god yeah well, <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> not have been good um, but no so yeah we had very good very very i mean we're, we're still good friends you know but it is just that difficulty of i've never been in a relationship so telling my family and actually that's when i came out as well so for me it was like a really big deal i was like and that brings the pressure as well for the relationship to succeed yeah absolutely because you've told everybody about it it's your first relationship you've come out to your family and there's that immense pressure and you feel that inside yeah and i'm like god i need to make this work this has to work because everybody is invested in it and then i think it's kind of similar to what you said before you know we just kind of were growing in different directions um Mm. that just our lives weren't fitting as well as they did is he a similar age to you? Uh, he's, um, I can't actually reveal his age because he'll absolutely mortify me. But... <laughs> <laughs> Why? Is he 75? No, no, he's, he's, he's in his 30s. Okay. He's 34. 34. We'll okay. say, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so there's there's a bit of an age difference um, as well, but I'm probably That more... doesn't sound too much of an age gap, though. You're he's 30. In... Oh, he's not in the first. All right. Okay. I'll stop asking questions <laughs> no, he's now. he's in Sorry. his 30s, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I, I was probably the more mature one, really. Even though he was older? Yes. Yes. Okay. So it's kind of a little bit of that dynamic. But, yeah, so we went through a breakup very similar time to yourself as well. And I felt that kind of immense pressure to mm. tell my family with all of that involved as well. But I can't even begin to imagine having the pressure of family, friends, add the general public, and add Paul C. Brunson on mm, there yeah. to the pressure. How did you kind of find that or navigate it, especially with maybe seeing it happen in real time in news outlet as well? It was hard. It was really hard. Any breakup is hard. Yeah. And when you've both come to that decision to, to break up, as you will know, there are lots of things that then need to happen, especially if you're living together as well. Yes. And let's not forget, I'd moved my life. I'd moved to Northern Ireland. We had a flat in Northern Ireland. I'd rented my house out here in Leeds. So we'd set up. And, and my, from my perspective, this was going to be it. This was going to be the relationship that was going to be kind of for the rest of my life. I was over in Northern Ireland. We were talking about kids only months before. Yeah, wow. Things kind of progressively broke down I guess between us um, and it became quite clear that the longevity and actually the future as a, for us to be together as a couple was under question and we had to navigate that ourselves without getting anybody else involved yeah. and we had to talk it through and we had to work out what the best thing was for both of us going forward and then to then announce it tell our family first before it Mm, was out in the public domain because a lot of our support had come from the public we were kind of the gay golden couple yeah for like two years everybody was so behind us everybody loved us and we were presenting ourselves together like on instagram yeah going to events and being there and it was fun and and we were a partnership not only a couple a romantic couple and in love and planning a future together we we're presenting ourselves as as a partnership, which is what I always wanted. It's really difficult then you, when you are that partnership and essentially people knew you as Matt and Dan. Mm-hmm. So even you kind of lose your individuality. You know, I can imagine when you were going places, people would always ask, that's the same with any relationship really. Oh, mm. how's the partner? How's this? How's that? Mm. You know, and actually kind of think, well, what about me? Yeah. <laughs> like, and trying to find that sense of self as well as trying to navigate actually still being that partnership, mm-hmm. but still 
individuals in your own right as well. Yeah, definitely. It's such a big thing then to unpick that when you have put so much into being together and it being a joint thing to then have to unpick that and actually think, well, what am I going to do now? I've got a plan mm. how I'm going to separate from this relationship. But then I've got to kind of, from my perspective, it was kind of having to rebuild my life again because yeah. I'd moved everything over there. And then I was coming back kind of like with my tail between my legs going, oh no, another relationship that's not worked. And that was really But at least hard. you went for it and at least you actually thought, you know what, I'm going to somehow, I'm going to move my life for the hope of this working mm -hmm. because that's the right thing to do in that moment. Because otherwise you just think, well, what if I'd have tried a bit harder? Exactly, exactly. Regret things that you've done, not things that you haven't. Yes. That's one thing that I always say. And I'm so glad I put myself out there. Yeah. And did it. It was an incredible experience. Me and Daniel had an amazing journey together. It's just a real shame that it didn't work out. But the last couple of months, we split up in December, but mm. I didn't officially move back into Leeds until February because I had tenants in my house, they had to move out, and I was still spending time over in Northern Ireland. So we had a couple of months where we were still living together, but as friends. Yeah. And I'll be honest, it was very confusing because we were so close. We're like best mates. Yeah. There was still a level of intimacy there that was really difficult to kind of break away from because we'd supported each other throughout this whole process and been there for each other and grown together as a unit. So then to move away from that and work out how do you, how do you kind of separate from that and how do you be friends, I found really, really difficult because I loved him and it was really, really hard. And so coming back to Leeds, moving back, I remember when I, when I left, I had to go go on the ferry with my van, pack it up, bring everything back to Leeds. And that was the last time I saw him was when I left. And we had spoke, we did speak after that a, a couple of times. But for myself, I needed to have that break. I know that Daniel would want us to be really good friends and, and yeah. speak regularly, but for myself and my it's own my that. own healing process yeah. i can't do that i need to have that clean break and i need to grieve for the relationship yeah. because it is it is sad it's really sad and i think because our relationship was so intense as well we met at the altar and yeah. kind of spent 24 7 with each other from that moment it's been so hard for me to move on mm -hmm. from it and it's been what seven eight months now since we since we split up and it's still hard and I still feel sad and I still have moments where I miss him incredibly and I am upset and I think about the, the great times that we had. But every day, every week, I'm getting a little bit better and I'm feeling more myself again and finding my own groove, like getting my own, not life back, but my own vibe i guess and, yeah. and who i am and finding myself as a person and reforging what I, your own path yeah reforging yeah. my own path and knowing what the next steps are i want to take like we said already i want to be a dad yeah i want to have kids i want to be in a loving relationship to do that i'm 41 so i need to kind of start thinking i'll start looking maybe mm. am i ready I, I think, do you know what? I think I'm on the cusp. Yes. I'm kind of there. You need that push. Yeah. yeah. I'm kind of there. I feel like I'm excited about the prospect of dating. Yeah. And having fun, going out for dinner, laughing, 
with somebody. It's bloody expensive, though. I know. <laughs> when I you're know. dating. I know it is, but I love going out for dinner. It's one of my favourite things to do. I love eating in restaurants. But finding that happy place again and yeah. having fun with someone and having that attraction and that banter and that fun and feeling giddy and excited. And almost taking that pressure off as well, because like you say, you went into a situation where it was so pressurised and you kind of put this person, you are in a relationship, you live together, you're having these weekly ceremonies where you've got to you know, express your commitment to each other. Mm-hmm. And actually doing that bit of an opposite now of have some dates, you know, see, you know, a couple of people on a few dates and just see what happens and just have fun and laugh is just such a nice way to do it. It is. But I think as well, it's going to be a transition because the last, my last relationship, obviously, I'm used to this intenseness. Yes. And I quite enjoyed that as well. Yeah, and I embraced <laughs> it. I enjoy that intense. Yeah intense because i feel like if you like someone and you're getting on with them and you're having fun yeah. you've got that attraction and Why it's wait? all fun yeah, <laughs> yeah i feel the same <laughs> i, I completely think agree you just jump in head first because that's the type of person you are that's the type of person i am and if you've got that vibe just go for it but i think that scares a lot of people and it also is whether or not those people are there for the right reasons as well mm-hmm. this is the whole thing that i'm worried about this whole navigating dating yeah which is a whole other kettle of fish. But how do you how do you know? How do you differentiate whether someone's there for the right reasons or into you for the right reasons mm. or wanting the same things as you? It's about having having those conversations like up front. I remember in the show, me and Daniel, we'd known each other like two days mm-hmm. and we were in Mexico on honeymoon and then we had to have this really intense conversation oh God, about yeah. having kids and is that something I wanted and something he wanted, which we both agreed we did. But do you have that conversation with somebody that you've gone on two dates with? Do you know what? I actually think yes, because I don't want to waste time with somebody if we not haven't got those shared values. I think first mm. date should always be about get to know them in just like a lighthearted sense, see if you have fun with them. Mm-hmm. Second date, you know, then you get to start asking them a few more questions that may be a little bit deeper just to get more of an idea about their core values. Yeah. Third date, you can start asking about the future and what their future plans are. Okay. I think I'll, that's completely acceptable. Okay, I'm going to use that. I'm yeah. going to use that model. And if they find it too intense or full on, they're not for me. Then, yeah, I agree. <laughs> right, I'm going to completely use that. Yeah. I'm going to completely use that. Do you want kids? Is that something on your agenda for the future? I am kind of in two minds, really. I I think I'd be a really good dad. I have a niece and a nephew that I absolutely adore. But I also love that moment where I can just get on the train home and rest. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to deal with it. Yeah, Yeah, Um, because they are very full on. But yeah, I think for me, it's just kind of like weighing it up. And then I want to be in a very, very financially secure position. Mm -hmm. If soon as that, you know, as soon as I'm in a very, very financially secure position where I can still enjoy my life the way I want to, then I think I would definitely have children. But I just don't want to have them to kind of struggle. And, you know, I've had to like mm. work and hustle for everything. I don't want someone to have to do that. Yeah. I want to give them that platform to have an unfair advantage against people. I know it's awful to say, but yeah. I want them to not have to worry about money and just the annoying things in life. Yeah. That's a, no, that's yeah. a good way, a good way to approach it. And I think, do you, do you ever know when you're ready as well? Well, the thing this is the hardest thing, you know, for us. We can't really accidentally have a child. No, it's, it's got to be planned. It's <laughs> yeah, got, I mean, it's going to be an operation yeah, to get and it done. That's so, and it's so unsexy to think, right, we need to fill out this paperwork now for this <laughs> child. Exactly, you know? exactly. And then I think for me, it's also a case of how would I want to have a child? Um, you know, it's a nice thought to think, oh yeah, them to have my 
genetics, have my eyes, brilliant. But also I think there's so many kids out there that you could do it in a fostering or adoption mm -hmm. sense to kind of give them that life that you could give them. Yeah. Um, and that love that there's they There's so many kids, so many kids yeah. out there that need that love. I don't know if you know my mum, um, she was abandoned in the hospital when oh, she wow. was born because she's mixed race. And um, she's was brought up in the care system, was never adopted, but had foster foster parents. And that's why I'm really passionate about the adoption route yeah. because I think there are so many kids out there that need love and need a home. And so that's the route that I will would prefer to go down yeah absolutely because they're already here they're already yeah. in this world so try and give them the best start in life that you can as well mm. and give them that love that like we say they deserve yeah yeah i think for me is it's probably more about adoption or then um if i mean even that commitment it's just you know fostering where it's actually just giving that support yeah. um could be an option as well but i know it's all difficult and you kind of got to do the things you want to do don't you yeah um, and then because if I've got a child, I want to focus all my attention on them. Yeah, exactly. I also don't want to have to work. I want to be able to be there for them at their school plays, at their mm. pick-up, drop-off, um, which is pretty intense and difficult. Yeah, it's, well, it's a complete change of lifestyle. Yeah. And, it, and it's, it's a sacrifice, but a positive sacrifice, because you're doing something that you want to do and that you're going to love to do and it should come before everything else yes absolutely when you're in the right place and yeah. ready to do it and then you can just bitch and complain about it in 18 years when they resent you <laughs> <laughs> like... they resent you they spent all your money yeah. Like, yeah i did this for you i quit my career <laughs> <laughs> exactly perfect so despite that romantic connection not working with daniel that way we wanted it to would you go back and do it all over again do you know what i've, I've thought about this and i would yeah i really would I feel a bit like Davina McCall when she's like, would you go back in the house again? He's yeah. like, well, guess what? <laughs> guess back. what? Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Second chance. Yeah. I would. Do you know why? Because it was such a positive experience for me. Yeah. I had such a great experience. And I know you said that the, the romantic connection wasn't there. It was a lot yeah. at the beginning. We were together. I mean, we did fall in love. And I had the most incredible experience through that because of Daniel. Yeah. So I would do it again. But I think I'd be a lot more wary that it's not going to be the same. Would they just throw some random in there just to cause a load yeah. of drama? I wouldn't have the same faith that the right things would be done. But in saying that, I think it's such an incredible experience and you make it your own. Yeah. So I think you should do it. Oh, Definitely. God. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get my mum to pick out a hat. <laughs> yeah. You get a fabulous wedding. Oh, my God. Do you know what? She would, she would actually love it. If I had to do that bit at the start, you know, where you go and film with your family and, and yeah. tell them. Yeah. My mum would already know. She'd be like, I knew it. I've got the hat. I'm, I can't wait. She'd be really on board. So they'd probably be like, we can't record with you, mum. We, <laughs> we need someone more shocking. Can we record with your ex-boyfriend? That would be great TV. Like, oh, oh, God. God. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you know what? Do you know what? They do contact your exes. today as part of make the sure you're not As part not. of the process. Yeah. Oh, Which was really interesting, actually, because I remember me and Dan had a conversation about it and they didn't want to speak to any of mine, but they contacted both of Daniel's exes mm. and had conversations with them, but they didn't speak to any of mine. Interesting. I know. I yeah. wonder why. Well, well. Maybe, maybe it's for the best, you know. I know. I think we'll it probably was. <laughs> yeah. I probably would have been on it <laughs> yeah, if they'd have spoken to them, dished all the dirt. Oh my God. Is there, a, is there any kind of learnings you can take from your previous relationship to make, um, you know, give you a better opportunity and successful love in the future? I think so, yeah. I think looking back and, and 
seeing how I put my whole heart and soul into it, I wouldn't change that. I would definitely not change that because it's who I am. And I think I'm very, I'm very much confident in the person that I am and kind of what we were saying about the intensity of relationships. And I love your, your three date rule. I'm going to completely use that because I think it is important to be open and honest about what you want, who you are, um, where you want to be. Absolutely. Yeah. And even though the relationship with Daniel didn't work, I think we really tried. We both yeah. tried and put our heart and soul into it. There are things I would take from it now where I would be, actually, I need to be more, I guess, maybe not put as much, mm. not put all my eggs in one basket, should I say, really. I don't know if that's the right phrase to use, but maybe I moved to Northern Ireland a bit too quick. Maybe we should have not been as intense so mm. quickly, but it was so difficult not to because of the experience. But if that's, been like, say, if that's your feelings in that moment as yeah. well, then just go with it because you don't want to hold back and actually think, Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Then you but, just think, what if? Exactly. Exactly. But I think my mum summed it up on the show because um, right at the beginning at the wedding, she was skeptical the whole time. Mm-hmm. Don't yeah, want to say. I loved it. her. Just like mm, just a side <laughs> eye. Yeah. She yeah. was like, "Well, you don't know what's in someone's heart, Matthew." <laughs> yeah. That resonates. I bet in the production my, were like, "She is brilliant." She's going every episode. Yeah. My dad didn't even speak. <laughs> he was interviewed, and he was he he came out with some right crackers as well when we were They're filming like, no, but they didn't sorry. it was all about Sheila yeah. all about <laughs> Sheila um but yeah she said she said those words you, n- you never know what's in someone's heart and that's always that resonates with me and I'm unfortunately she's right mm. at the end of the day however a relationship goes and whether it's been amazing or whether it's not been amazing and whether whatever you take from it the bottom line is you don't know what's in someone's yeah. heart you've just got to have that hope and faith mm. that things will work which for the inner control freak in me that is so difficult mm. <laughs> what is, are you thinking what's going on it is it is yeah. it's so difficult it's so difficult and you have to put your faith and hope and love in that other person and trust as well but as long as you can do that those things are kind of the recipe for a successful relationship don't question it i don't think don't question yourself just be who you are and as long as you feel like you can put yourself out there and put your heart into it, then just go for it. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. When I'm at that point, I'm not going to take the experience and take any negatives from it. Yeah. Because I don't think that's healthy. And like I said, I'm a hopeless romantic. And I believe that there is a big love out there. And I'm going to meet that person. And I'm going to have a family. And I'm going to have kids. Yes, yeah. it's going to happen as well. And I'm excited for it. I'm excited for you as well. And I feel like, you know, we're all going to experience heartbreak at some point in our lives, um, you know, it is inevitable, mm-hmm. whether that's actually the breakdown relationship, loss of a family member, or even just, you know, the end of a friendship. We're all going to experience it. So how do you stay strong and keep living for love every day? How do I stay strong? Yeah. Be resilient against the inevitable. What's the inevitable? Heartbreak. Heartbreak. <laughs> Disaster. Is that inevitable disaster? <laughs> no, you know. Oh, what? Is that what I've I got to look forward we, to? We are going to, you know, and even when you do find that person, and even when you have like such a successful relationship, you're going to argue. Mm. Um, and I think that's something I'm trying to work out is okay, there's going to be down times. There's going to be times when things aren't going so right. But how do I deal with that? And how do I not let it affect me in such a way that I think, God, this is the end? Yeah. So I'm asking you for advice right now. Okay, so my advice advice is, (laughs) I think just be true to yourself. Be open to communication. 
Communication, I think, in any relationship is so key. One of the things that I hate in other people yeah. is moodiness. Oh, okay. If you have an argument, because you mentioned about there's going to yeah. be ups and downs. If you have an argument, I like to argue. Mm. I can shout, but I like to do it, get it out there. You have this big explosion, maybe, of just not screaming at each other, but do you know what I mean? You say your piece and then you move on from it and you either agree to disagree or you agree, but don't let things fester. Yeah. Because I think that's the that's how bigger problems then grow. If you don't talk about it and you let it seep into the rest of the week, then it's even more hard to get over it and yeah. to move forward from it. Like... Loads of people say this, don't they? Don't go to bed on an argument. Mm. Make sure that you sort it out. And I think that's so important. I would much prefer to have a, have it out in the open, talk about it, and then move forward from it. It's just when you keep going around in circles, though, isn't it? And trying to air those grievances of what your your feelings, but the other person's not listening. Yeah. And that's the only thing. You can it, well, it depends what the other person's like yeah. and, and how they deal with conflict. Mm. Most of my relationships, I've identified that they don't like conflict and they'll retract and then move away and be moody and not speak and not talk about it. And that is so frustrating to me because I just want to get it out in the open. Yeah, and actually talk just about deal it. with it. And just think, deal with it. Let's move on. Exactly. Um, but actually put it to bed almost. Put it to bed, yeah. yeah. And if you if you don't agree, you don't agree. But you can move forward from it and resolve it quite quickly. I think that's so important in any relationship. It is all about the communication. And if you've got that love and respect for each other and understanding, then that is the key. Because it's about understanding the other person's point of view as well. Whether you agree with it or not, it's just about listening and understanding it. God, I sound like a relationship guru. What am I talking about? Um, I think it's that's the key. Listening, communicating and respecting each other. I think those are the three key things. Yeah, I think as long as you've got that respect, you'll still have something and a salvageable relationship. But as soon as you lose that respect, that's when it all starts going out the window and you just then start hitting below the belt and maybe in those arguments saying things you regret. Exactly. And you don't mean... And you don't want to do that. Yeah. And and I think with the respect as well comes the honest part. Mm. You've got to be honest. Yeah. There's no point in sitting there and not saying if you've got something on your mind or you're upset about something, it's important to be open and honest about it because what's the worst that can happen? Yeah, exactly. As long <laughs> as you were yourself, rather be hated for being myself. Exactly. Exactly. So we do love to end this podcast with a little bit of advice, even though you have just given me some personal advice, but this is more so for the listeners. What advice would you give um, to someone who is preparing to take a big leap of faith out there? Not necessarily a TV show because that is a bit niche, but a big leap of faith to throw themselves out the comfort zone for the possibility of love. Do it. Really just do it. Be true to yourself. Be true to who you are because you never know. You never know what might happen. And I think I said this before, I'd rather regret something I've done than something I haven't. And if you don't take that, don't take that leap of faith and don't put yourself out there, don't wear your heart on your sleeve, then you'll never know. Exactly. If you shut yourself off from those opportunities which Mm -hmm. i did for i mean this is a whole podcast in itself but i did for 27 years i shut myself off from the possibility of love so yeah i completely agree with that just actually go for it because you might get hurt but it'll be worth it yeah 
rather to have loved and lost than never loved at all. Exactly. So poignant. I know, so cliche, <laughs> but it's so true. It's so it true. Is. And dust yourself off. Get up, yep. dust yourself off and try again. Because I think there is somebody out there that will compliment your life, that you can love and that will love you back. I'm hoping that I will find that person and I'm sure you can as well. Yeah, definitely. I'll be manifesting that's for sure. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for joining us today, Matt. I've really loved speaking with you. Um, is there anywhere people can follow you, get in touch? You've got anything else going on? Yeah, 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 definitely. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed the conversation today. It's been great. So Out Together, the charity that I work for and ambassador for, you can find us on Instagram and on social media. And our website is outogether.lgbt or at outogether.lgbt. LGBT and then you can follow me on Instagram as well if you want to it's Matt underscore D underscore Jameson Thanks for listening to Queer Love Stories and a huge thank you to Matt for sharing his story you can follow him on Instagram at Matt underscore D underscore Jameson and find out more information about his work within the LGBTQIA plus community at Outtogether LGBT if you love this podcast hit the follow button and leave us a review on Apple Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts Queer Love Stories is hosted by myself, Eden Heath, at It's Eden Heath, and produced and mixed by Benji Antonio, at Benji Antonio underscore. You can chat to us on Instagram and TikTok, at Queer Love Stories Podcast. And if you or someone you know has got a story to share, then we would love to hear from you. Whether your relationship is in the public eye or not, the pressure of sharing a breakup with family and friends can feel like a tough pill to swallow. But remember, ending a relationship isn't synonymous with failure. It's a chapter filled with valuable lessons and opportunities for growth. The most enduring relationship in your life is the one you have with yourself. Prioritise your dreams and ambitions, ensuring that your own well-being is at the forefront. While new love may require compromises, remember that as long as you don't compromise your core values and life priorities, then there's nothing to fear. Embrace the journey ahead with confidence and resilience. You've got this. You've got this.